The Word of God says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, and He, excuse me, that's verse 17 and 18, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Verse 18, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd give us insight into your word. Give me the words that you'd have us to say. We pray that your will would be done and that we could know what you believe and then that those doctrines, they will inform our behavior and the choices we make. So we pray that you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to give a Bible study tonight, uh, universal church or local church, universal church or local church. This idea of the church is important. You are in a church. This is our church, not ours by ownership, but ours by relationship. Christ owns the church, amen? This is God's house. It's not where he lives, but it's his by ownership. It's Uh, True Bible churches are like embassies in, like you would go across the world and you're not in America, but you can go to an American embassy and that is officially American land ruled by American rules, even if it's in a country that's very different and run by different rules and governments. And thus it is with the local churches. Local churches are, this is a piece of, of heaven on earth. This is, a, this is God's uh, building. This is God's land. These are God's hymnals. That's God's piano. Uh, what we teach is God's. The song we sing are God's. And even we are God's. Now we know truly that the church is not the building itself, but the people But this building that houses the church of God, if you will, is so vital and important. When you come here, don't be surprised that we might do things a little bit differently than everybody else is doing them. We might have different rules than the rest of the world has. We might live a different way, and yea, we should live a different way than the rest of the world. In many ways, we are citizens of heaven on a journey in a foreign country. And so uh, the world might say, well, you folks are a little different. Well, thank you. You know, we appreciate that. We're, we're supposed to be a little different than everybody else. And by that, you understand I don't mean weird. You ought not be weird ever, right? <laughs> in, the, in the general sense of, of weirdness, uh, unnecessary uh, to be weird. But we, we should be different than the rest of the world. And so... This idea of church, which is the local body, then there's two concepts of church. There's, there's a debate among Christians regarding the definition and manifestation of this organism called the church. Notice I said organism. The church is not an organization. It is a living thing, uh, and we are Christ's body. But there is a debate. Uh, Some Christians, specifically Baptists, believe in the universal and local churches. Others believe there is no universal church, only local churches. The Catholic Church, of course, believes in only the universal church. A Catholic means universal. 
the Protestant churches that came out of the Catholic Church, they have a universal view of, of churches. And I don't even like those words, that, that nomenclature. I, I feel like it's inelegant to say uh, local versus universal church. I think that opens up the door to a lot of the misconceptions and problems that come with the local church. I prefer the designations physical churches and the spiritual church. So there's a debate among Christians regarding this uh, definition of the church. Is the church purely local or is there some larger body uh, made up of the believers of Christ along with the local churches? I have friends on both sides of the issue. I myself have been on both sides of the issue. It's not a make or break issue. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation or, or anything like that, but it is a vital, vital doctrine. And it's a doctrine that I don't break fellowship over. If I have a friend that, that believes differently than I do in this area, but they, uh, we still fundamentally believe all the same things, then of course we can still fellowship and even work together uh, if, if things are equal. But I think as we always do, we need to look at the scriptures to settle the debate. I would be very happy to believe in the local church only or only local church theory. And again, I've got many friends that do. However, when I study the scriptures, and I've, I've wrestled over this throughout my life, I've studied it, prayed about it by the hour, I think you have to wrestle some scriptures to make every church only a local church. My personal feeling and what I'm going to teach you tonight through the scriptures is that God's emphasis is on the local churches in this age, but there is something bigger than us called the body of Christ that makes up all believers. And I don't think that that uh, does any injustice to the Scripture. Matter of fact, I think that's exactly what the Scripture teaches us. So uh, allow me to explain, and let's look at the Scriptures. So when we go to the Scriptures for answers, the word church is used 77 times in the King James New Testament. I've looked at each one of them. I have prayed over most of them. Most of them are very obvious in what they say. A few of them could be interpreted a few different ways. Most of these instances in the New Testament speak of local congregations. And we know that because they're signified by location or context. Let me show you some of these. Go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. So most churches in the New Testament... The, the way the word is used, speak of local churches. Acts chapter 11. And let's look at verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was where? In Jerusalem. 
And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So this was the church in Jerusalem. This was obviously a local church, physical people. In the scripture, you see these local churches. They had a pastor. They often had deacons. They had offerings. They had sermons. They had services of outreach. And that's necessary for local churches. Look at Romans chapter 16. And I'll just give you... Some here to consider Romans chapter 16. And look at verse 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is our servant of the church, which is at Centria. So again, this is another church that was at Centria. So this was a group of baptized believers who were meeting in the city of Centria. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And look at verse 2, under the church of God, which is where? It's at Corinth, that's right. Uh, To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all them that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So this was written uh, specifically to the church at Corinth, but then to all believers it would be profitable for everyone, of course, as Scripture, all Scripture is profitable. Let's go back to the book of Colossians where we started. Colossians uh, chapter 4. Verses 15 and 16. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. So this was a group of people that were meeting. They were Again, the church is the people, not the building. So the church was in his house. They would go to his house and meet. Uh, and in a lot of countries, they don't have nice buildings like we do. They have to meet wherever. You can have church on the beach. You can have church under a tree. You can have church in someone's house. You can have church in a field because the church is the people, the, the uh, baptized believers. All right, look at uh, verse 16. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Now, this is an interesting verse. First of all, the Laodiceans, if you remember from the beginning of Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches, the Laodiceans had a problem, didn't they? The Bible tells us that later... They had become lukewarm. Jesus writing to the church says, you've become lukewarm. I'd rather you be cold or hot. So this at this time was a, a good church, but uh, some decades in the future, it begins to cool off and they're still meeting, but they're not what they're supposed to be. And then notice also that the Bible here talks about the epistle from Laodicea. So this is the epistle to the Colossians. This is the inspired, preserved word of God. Paul also wrote an epistle to the Laodiceans, but that epistle, while useful for them and anyone who read it, it was not inspired by God. It was not, Paul did not write that as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. And this is important to understand, not everything Paul wrote is part of Scripture. Not everything Moses wrote is part of Scripture. And it's an interesting fact to find out how did they figure out which ones were inspired and preserved and how they figure out what was just a letter. 
I suspicion Paul may have wrote a letter to his mom. But we don't have Paul's letter to his mother, you know, tucked in between the, the Thessalonians. Uh, this is the beauty of Scripture. And even in the Old Testament, sometimes the Bible will mention other books or letters that you don't find in the Scripture. And that's simply because God acknowledges those things were written, but they weren't inspired or preserved or part of the scriptural canon. And that's so important to understand. All right, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Next book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father uh, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. But grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, this church was to the, the local, the physical church at uh, Thessalonians. All right, and then uh, we could look at Acts chapter... Yeah, let's look at Acts chapter 20. And now I want you to notice a difference. Some churches are named for the region they were in. For example, Galatians, the region of Galatia. That book was written to the churches of Galatia. So those were still physical churches as identified by churches within a region. We might say the churches of Rhode Island. Those are local uh, physical churches in Rhode Island. But now I want to show you some scriptures where the Bible seems to tell us that this word church refers to believers as a whole or a larger group of people than just an individual church or group of churches. And I think you can make some of these fall into the local church only format, but I don't think you can all of them. And this is my, uh, as I study the scripture, you just have to wrestle some of these more than necessary to, to make them fit that mold. And I'll tell you why that's an issue here in a minute. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 28. <clears throat> Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, so these were individual preachers. They each had their individual churches. They had their individual flocks over which they were the overseers. It says, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So while it's true Christ purchased every church with his own blood, the Bible does not say to feed the churches of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The Bible talks about the church. It seems to be this larger group, this church that's not local, that Jesus purchased with his own blood. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll look at several of these. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is interesting because in some places it does speak about the local church and local churches. And then I believe it also speaks about the church as a whole uh, and tells us how these things work together. So look at 
verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, so are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. So we won't take time to dig into to a lot of this, but the Bible's clear that, for example, you can't apply this to the local church. We are all baptized into one local body. But it also, I think, could be applied to we are all baptized into one great body, and I'll show you that in just a little while. But then it also goes on to say that God takes those and places them within the body. So the way I view this is that we have local churches. Local churches are the manifestations, the, the physical manifestations, the visible manifestations of the larger body of Christ. When we get born again, we are baptized by the Spirit into the great body of Christ And then God takes us and places us in the physical churches, the local churches in which he sees fit. So I use verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When someone comes here and they're looking for a church, I often tell them that you should not pick the church you want to go to. You should find out which church God has already chosen for you. So that's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Some people say, well, I want to look at a church. they got good programs, and maybe it's a comfortable building, and, and uh, maybe, I, maybe I like the preaching and all of this. And you can make a fleshly decision on a spiritual subject. Or you could just say, God, I know that you already have a church picked out for me. You show me where you want me to go, and I'll go there. Amen. And that's the right way to do it. All right, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and look at verse 22. And he hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things, which is the church, excuse me, to the church, to be head over all things, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And it's interesting here, the context is speaking of the largeness of Christ, his mighty power. If you back up and look at verse 19, and let's read down. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all." Now, the context of this is not talking about a local situation. It's talking about the, 
the grandiose being that is God and his work through Christ. He's over everything and the church is his body. Uh, Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. So once again, what's the scope of this verse? It's talking about the, the length and breadth of the glory of God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, just the local church. Well, it goes on to say throughout all ages, world without end. This seems to be talking about something greater than individual churches. This is talking about the eternal church, that great heavenly body of Christ, and uh, he is going to receive glory from that uh, forever. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the churches. Oh, it says it also loved the church and gave himself for it. So while he did give himself for our church and for us, it's even more true that God gave himself for everybody that would make up the church. He purchased that with his blood. And that is the uh, ultimate example of how husbands should love their wives. Look at verse... uh, 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And we see when believers of the New Testament age get to heaven, they will be in robes of white signifying their their forgiveness, uh, the cleansing that was accomplished through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, let's look back at Colossians where we started. Colossians chapter 1. And let's read down from Let's read from verse 12 down to verse 18 so we can get some context. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that good? Who is the image of the invisible God. This is Christ. He's the image. He's the visible part of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. Verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and by him do all things. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things that he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father 
that in him should all fullness dwell. Now you see the context there is once again it's talking about these big, huge concepts, these eternal concepts. And right in the middle of that we see the church. He is the head of the church. And while it's true he's the head of individual churches, this seems to tell us that he's the head of that great assembly of all believers. And it calls the church, it it calls this body the church, who is the head of the body, the church. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you to fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. And so, again, the, body, the Bible calls the body of Christ the church, and the church the body of Christ. Now, how do we rightly divide these scriptures? Let me give you a, a couple thoughts, and then we'll go to our prayer time. Let's talk about the, the universal church. It's interesting that even those who don't believe in any type of universal church believe all Christians make up something called the family of God. What's the family of God? The family of God is all believers are part of one group. Say, everybody that's saved during the New Testament age, this, this, and, and all believers, part of this family of God. And they don't mind that, that type of thinking, but if you call that same body a church then they'll say, no, that's, that's not a church. But the Bible says that the body's a church, so no, that has to mean local. I think you just got to start, you, you got to start putting tension on verses to kind of squeeze them to get away from this idea that there is something uh, called the body of Christ that is the church. The Bible discusses all New Testament believers as a group. Many people call this, Concept, the universal or invisible church. Now, wait a minute. Why is this a problem? Okay, preacher, why is this a problem? Well, the problem is because the idea of the universal church has been terribly misused throughout history. The greatest example of that is the Roman Catholic Church. The word Catholic means universal. The Catholic Church claims to be the one and only church. And nowadays, and you've got to understand, I have to remind this to our church from time to time, the Catholic Church the last 50 years has spent a lot of time and money in America to change its image. The Catholic Church in America is not the same church you find in Mexico or really anywhere else throughout the world. They have softened their image because most Americans would not buy into the the harsh reality of Roman Catholic doctrine. For example, Roman Catholic doctrine says the Roman Catholic Church is the one and only church that exists and that you only can go to heaven through the church. If you're not a practicing Roman Catholic, you can't go to heaven. That's Roman Catholic doctrine from the Vatican. Now, most Americans don't believe that. Most American Catholics don't believe that. 
they've had to soften that a little bit. I've had missionaries, I knew of missionaries down in Mexico that if they were, if they were in the process of building a building, the Roman Catholic priest had so much power over the souls of men that they could literally go to the town council and say, I want that building taken down, and they'll just tear it down. One missionary had to build his building three times because they just kept tearing it down. I was in a small village in Mexico, and we were passing out gospel literature and talking to people, inviting them to see a movie that night and preach to them, a Jesus movie and preach to them. The middle of the day, the priest came out uh, with a big visage of Mary, like holding this big sign that had the supposed Virgin Mary on it. The town immediately stopped what they were doing, got in line. He marched all through town as they were chanting and, and saying things that everybody closed their doors or joined the procession. As soon as the priests were gone, was gone, everybody came back out and started talking to us again. I was like, what is that? Like, oh, the priest would have been very upset if we were talking to you. They literally, they literally hold the souls of men in their hand in many places around the world. That's not how they present themselves to the American, the Americanized version of the Roman Catholic Church. And so you've, you've got to understand that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the greatest persecutor of Christians like you and me was the Roman Catholic Church. This church that said, we are the only church. Matter of fact, if you... If you believe anything else, we will forcibly baptize your babies. And boy, we could get in the weeds here about history. In many European countries, it was the law that a parent had to baptize their child in the local, in the, into the Roman Catholic Church because that's how you save the baby's soul. And it was not only a good idea, it was the law. And if you as a parent decided not to do that, then how could you want your own baby to go to hell? They would punish you. If you believed in Jesus and you got rebaptized, they would often take preachers like me and in mock drownings or in mock baptisms drown them as a mockery of, of uh, baptism by immersion after salvation. You've got to understand we don't have a concept of, of the difficulty. And this was not just done in a little place. The, the Roman Catholic Church had a large reach and still does. And so one way to fight against this was to explain that they're not the only church and this idea of the universal church had been so misused. Some people just got the idea there is no, there is no universal church at all. I don't think you have to go that far. I think it's more important to rightly divide the truth. It's easy to point out that the Roman Catholic Church isn't the body of Christ as we've seen in scriptures and other things. We don't have to delete it uh, altogether. So the Roman Catholic Church claims to be the only church and the only way to God. And of course, that's heresy of the highest order. Protestant churches that came out of the Catholic Church, you got to understand every Protestant denomination left over one thing or another, but they didn't leave over everything. For example, the Lutherans, Martin Luther left the Catholic Church over justification by grace through faith. But he didn't leave over infant baptism. He didn't leave over the sacraments. He didn't leave over the way their church felt and sounded and operated. So that's why you can go into a Lutheran church, and it's, 
It's different, but it's kind of like a Catholic church. You can go into an Anglican church, and it's kind of like a Catholic church. You can go into all the other Protestant types of churches, and it's kind of like a Catholic church. But if you go into a Baptist church like this, it's totally different than the Catholic church. Why is that? Because we were never part of the Catholic church. Baptists aren't Protestants, and again, we don't have time to get into this, but the Catholic church started in about 312 A.D., but there were always a line of churches from Christ to the present that were never a part of that shoot-off. They just became so powerful so quickly. The marriage of a spiritual religion with civil government took complete control of nations. And it's, it's fascinating history. But we see that there was a strong push against that type of of thinking. No, there's not one person in, in the Vatican, there's not one person in Rome that gets to tell every Christian on the earth what to believe. By the way, Roman Catholics truly believe that the Pope is the infallible vicar of Christ. They believe that when the Pope speaks, it is God speaking through him Not in a way like when the preacher speaks, it's God speaking through him, but it is literally God. Most American Roman Catholics don't believe that, so they don't hold us to it. But again, you go around the world, and you'll find some, some Roman Catholics in America that know Roman Catholic doctrines, and they will tell you, the priest, the Pope's infallible. He cannot make a mistake. Now, they have trouble whenever popes are so different. Like the pope right now is really pretty progressive. If he's infallible and the guy before him was infallible, they they have a hard time reconciling the differences. Uh, But we see the problems. And a lot of Protestant churches have a strong emphasis on the universal church. Furthermore, Satan's used the idea of a universal church to damage Christ's local churches. So watch this. There is a doctrine today that says, well... If there's a local, if there's a universal church, if there's a body of Christ, a spiritual body, and I'm a part of it, that means I don't have to go to a church. I don't have to go to a local church. And there are Christians that believe that. I don't have to go to a local church. I'm just part of this spiritual body of Christ. Now, the interesting thing is most of them aren't very spiritual. And they, they use this idea of an invisible church to permit them not being a part of a church at all. But of course, in the scripture, there's no concept of people in the New Testament not going to church. Uh, it's just it's not even a concept. Matter of fact, let me show you an interesting verse. First um, <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5. Look back at First Corinthians chapter 5. These people say, well, I don't need to be a part of a church. Some people say, well, I don't believe in church membership. I don't believe in organized religion. You know, they've got all their, their reasons. And some of them have been truly hurt, and others are just looking for a reason to not have to get up and go anywhere Sunday morning. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And look at verse 4 and 5. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that they 
that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> so notice that. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So what's this talking about? The, the church at Corinth was a terribly sinful church. They had all kinds of problems. I mean, immorality, open immorality, drunkenness, just every, every bit of, of foolishness and sinfulness. But the church almost prided themselves on it. We're the church where you can fornicate. We're the church where you can get drunk. We're the church, and we have so much grace that you can still be a member of our church and do all these things. And God said, no, 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 no. No, my church needs to be pure. And there's a concept in the Bible where you work with those who are struggling but trying to overcome things. But if someone gets stubborn and self-willed and says, no, I want to be an active member of the church serving, teaching, leading, and I want to live in willful sin, the Bible says, no, no, that's not possible. And so the church has the not just the right but the responsibility to say, you cannot be a member of this church while you're acting like that. So you put them out from the membership. The idea is that they would say, wow, I want to get, I want to get things right. Now again, this is not somebody who's struggling. Every Sunday we have people come in and struggle with things. This is someone who wants to like teach a class or be up here behind the pulpit or, or be in some visible ministry and say, I'm a leader in this church. And I can live however I want. There's nothing you can do about it. No, there is something we can do about it. But notice what the Bible says. If you put someone outside of a local church, you're delivering such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. This verse is teaching us that Christians who are not a part of a local church are allowing Satan to have a lot more destructive influence in their lives. Hebrews chapter 10 says the same thing, that how do you, if you want to have a profession of faith without wavering, you need to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together in the church. The local church is a vital part to having a victorious Christian life and a good testimony. I, I tell somebody just this past week, and I say it often, I would be a different person. If I didn't go to this church for three months, if I didn't go to any church for three months, I probably wouldn't recognize myself if I just chose not to go to church. And there's a lot of people out there that are doing this to themselves. They are excommunicating themselves. I don't need you. And Satan has so much destructive power in their lives. It's crazy. And so we see that Satan has used this concept of the universal invisible church to great hurt to countless people. But I contend that we don't need to completely do away with the idea of some type of spiritual, invisible body of Christ, and the Bible calls it a church. The Bible explains that every believer in the church age is part of the body of Christ. That means two things. The local bodies of Christ, physical churches, are manifestations of the invisible body of Christ all believers. And I think that is how you rightly divide the scriptures and bring all of these scriptures into line. If somebody believes different, that's okay. I'm not going to break fellowship over it. 
But this, I believe, is where the scripture lands. Let's pray.